Tonight, we're blessed to have a special guest on the podcast, Gloria Navarez, who is the commissioner of the West Coast Conference. Uh, she's had a, an accomplished career as a college athletics administrator on the college, on the university level, as well as the conference level. And she's had stops at Cal Berkeley, San Jose State, Oklahoma, and also worked for the Pac-12 along the way. We're so pleased to share at this time with you, Gloria. And, and like I said earlier, it's, it's been great to learn from, from leaders across sport. And, and so we're excited and thankful for you to share your experiences and your philosophies. So I'll start, well, first of all, I need you to know, I've done my research and I know you were a stellar basketball player at UMass, right? <laughs> and so as we, as, we, as we think about, you think about your career as a college basketball player and now being a conference commissioner and working in, in conference administration, how, how do you think that career and what you do today parallels? Yeah, it, it dovetails, I think, more than anything, because I, my experiences, and you know, as a college student athlete, they, it was just amazing. Even the toughest times were so formative to who I am today, and it just, your skill set, how you handle adversity, it really builds, and I, and I think it really propels me to continue to want to provide the best experience for our student athletes, and that's what I love about our league right now, one of our core values is really providing that holistic education and experience. You know, when, when you hit a WCC campus, you're vying for national titles, but it's also really important um, that you match the ethic and mission of the institutions you're at. You know, we have, we have very strong alignment there in our league. Okay. So like, like we talked earlier, you being the first Latin female to lead a division one conference. Incredible challenges there. Uh, incredible challenges to get there. And so what I'd like to ask you is just to share some of the challenges you see uh, being a minority woman as you've risen up through the ranks. And then if you had to give an overarching message to someone who is following you in your footsteps, what would that be? You know, the, the challenges, and you know, it's hard because I've never been not a minority female. <laughs> right. Yet through right. the ranks, so it's hard to separate those challenges that are inherent to the business, inherent, right. you know, are inherent to being a minority. Right. Um, but I will say one of the things that kind of makes me laugh and, you know, through some tears at times is I am the commissioner of the West Coast Conference. Oh, are, are you over all the women's sports? Yes. <laughs> really? Oh, I mean, there's one commissioner over both. <laughs> right. That's something that's really indicative of this inability to fully understand or see that women can lead organizations both over men's and women's sports. And, and so I think advice to your second part of your question is, you know, I've always been a proponent of do the job, do it well. Just no matter what aspect of it, there are some very fun, high level, high profile aspects. And there are also those things that just aren't as fun. They're not as sexy. You know, yes. in life, it sounds like officiating and <laughs> governance, 
you know, but if you do them all well and you pour your whole self into them, um, A, you learn a lot of great tools and, and B, then, you know, you just reduce the number of places people can either nick at you or criticize or, you know, try to set you back. Right. So along those lines, our, our society, right, our society as a whole is undergoing a tremendous transformation. And, and I believe that our sports world, the world we live in, is at the moment going through that same type of awakening. Now, now you and your conference are, is at the forefront of this change. You've established a Russell Rule for hiring within your conference. Can you share with us what this policy is? And I've heard you go through it before, but what this policy is and what, what the process was to lead, that led to it being established in your conference. So when I first got the job, you know, at the WCC, I established an equity, diversity, inclusion committee, we call it the EDI committee. And so we had some initiatives working their way through the process. But at, after the murder of George Floyd, it just happened to be the week prior before our league meetings, our, you know, annual governance meetings. And as you know, the world was aflame with thoughts and passion about this issue and it really brought the topic to the forefront and it was we reorganized our whole agenda we put social justice at the top because it really impacted the people in our league and our right. students and we had to talk about you know what, what how do we react to this and our presidents were right there they said look we've all put out really meaningful heartfelt statements but we want to do something that has meaningful and lasting change and that's when, you know, the, this concept of a hiring commitment had been kicking around my head for some time. Um, the WCC is filled with really great jobs. And we have a lot of 20, 30 year veterans and we have smaller departments, so you don't see the churn as much. And so, you know, consequently, even though we're in this West Coast diverse geography, we're not very diverse in our right. council or in our coaching uh, ranks. And so it really was an initiative that fit needs in the West Coast Conference. And the initiative itself is a hiring commitment. So every full-time administrator, AD through the administrative ranks and head and assistant coach, if we go to market for any of those positions, we need, we, it's now mandatory, it's in our hands, constitution and handbook, to include a member of a historically underrepresented background. And what's really, I think, unique and fits us is it's very, very flexible. In college athletics, there are virtually no women coaching men's sports. So you could satisfy this policy by including a female in a head coaching hire for a men's sport. And you look at your own diversity or geography and, you know, can make the argument you know, what in this maybe sport, in this department or this region, what is a historically unrepresented background? Right. Um, and so that, that was really important to us. So now, of course, everyone's heard of the, the Rooney Rule, which is the NFL's rule. And, and you know, in, in, in the NFL's Rooney Rule, we're talking about head coaches and senior football front office personnel. Well, the Russell rule works, works much more like you described uh, in, in a much broader sense. Yeah. So in your opinion, 
and I know kind of what your opinion would be, but can this work in other conferences across the country? Yeah, I think so. And what, what distinguishes it, we spent a lot of time looking at the Rooney rule and the stats and why or why, it, why or why not it might be working. But I think one of the major differences is we are not-for-profit higher education institutions that are about embracing diversity in our core mission and providing young people with mentors and diverse world experiences. And something like this aligns so closely with our mission and values top right. to bottom. And you know, the policy that we adopted, again, broad and flexible, but it also has two other prongs, you, you know, three total. One is the hiring commitment itself, but two, the public accountability. This isn't a fining system, but every year we've partnered with the Tides Report uh, Institute and Dr. Richard Lapchek to create the Russell Report, which, you know, counts up our race and gender um, demographics and we publish them on our website. So you had this other level of accountability going on with the public and the market, the market for recruits, the market for coaches, and most importantly, the market for potential students to our universities. And then lastly, this, the last piece is an internal hiring report. This doesn't become public, but for every hire, you have to submit to the conference office and then only to the president board that will see it. Every hire, whether you met the policy or not, if not, how and why. And what I feel is interesting about this is, you know, say you have an assistant I don't know, fill in the blank, uh, tennis coach hire. And maybe for all your other hires, you met the policy, but unfortunately for this one, you struggled or you couldn't meet it. What if we start seeing like five of our schools struggle in the category of assistant coach for tennis? Then we can start strategizing together, collectively, build the pipeline, target job fairs to address the diversity needs in that particular job class. You know, and it really becomes more of a how do we help each other rather than just being punitive from a single case instance for a school that might be doing great across all other hires, but may not right. be struggling in that particular area. Right, and, that, and that'll, that'll lead to one of my questions in just a second. But, but what, has been, what has been the response across the country from other administrators to you and your conference in terms of uh, what you're doing? You know, the initial response was overly positive. I was just overwhelmed by how many people um, reached out, commended our work. You know, the two uh, coaches associations for men's and women's basketball, um, NABC and the WBCA, um, both sent, you know, public letters of support. And it's been this last week or so that I've really had individual one-on-one -on -one outreach of, from others that are considering adopting the same. I mean, obviously, we've got a lot going on with COVID. There was a lot of big news about fall sports. We're all focusing on how to bring our winter sports back. You got the football team starting to play. So there's a lot of other things going on. But I feel really good that folks are considering this and figuring out how they might be able to adopt the same. I've been a part of organizations over the years, coaching organizations. And, you know, there's always been discussions of things like this. And, and it they rise up around the hiring season in football specifically they rise up around the hiring season and then all of a sudden they they go away <laughs> and they come back again around the hiring season and then all of a sudden they go away 
Um, and, and so I'm, I'm really excited about what you guys are doing in, in your conference. So going back to, to what you kind of alluded to is, is what or are there any things, uh, any plans within your conference for, uh, to be able to help schools, right, build their pipeline, you know, for, for underrepresented candidates to, to build a pool from a conference from a conference standpoint, or, or are you initially going to leave it to the schools to be able to diversify their, their pools? Well, I'm a firm believer that the pipelines are out there. It's mm -hmm. just connecting the pipelines to the hiring entities. And I think the number one thing that I hope this policy achieves is a signal to the market. Like I said, you could look at our websites and might not feel that we would give equal opportunity or might not see opportunity or inclusion, but I hope that this signals that, you know, folks should apply for openings in the WCC. And, and then two, that all of these openings will now be, you know, a little bit more accessible because they, you know, folks are mandated to look at a broader pool. So that's number one, I think. Um, and number two, what I alluded to, as we see trends, as we see data, you know, I, as we talked about it in the room, I think all of our schools felt good that they would have no problem meeting this policy because in practice, they try to do this anyway. But being a little bit more deliberate about it, collecting the data will really help us get uh, laser focused on areas that we may need to work together to create pipelines or outreach or connect uh, folks to whatever pipelines are out there. You know, we are on the West Coast and uh, I, even without COVID, even without, you know, diversity hiring initiatives, um, it's sometimes difficult to attract folks to come live in the high cost of living areas that we have, unless you have connections out here, or unless you, you know, have been here before. So um, I, I do hope that this opens a lot of folks perspective to the great opportunities that are out here. You had, have you had an opportunity to meet with athletic directors within your conference and, and have there been, um, I mean, and what, have, what is their, number one, what, is their, what has been their responses? And then secondly, is there a message that you've provided to them about how to better source candidates? Yeah, you know, it was a, the 80s were in every step of the way because they are the ones in the trenches being responsible for all these hires. And we spent a lot of time talking about those pipeline positions, your third assistant, your you know, second or third sports info director. And these are hires that are pretty far away from those senior positions and head coaches. And right. the concern was, like, look, you know, we don't really have the bandwidth or the time to be spending on these hires and doing national search for, you know, kind of an entry level, right out of college position. And a lot of times you just tell your mid-level administrator, go fill this. They grab their buddy, they grab the, the GA or the, the intern that had been serving. So on the one hand, I think, you know, having this very flexible uh, definition of diversity, not having a, you know, a, a hard and fast financial penalty when you miss the first time, but having this more global look at are you fulfilling the policy across most of your hires there is some forgiveness some one or two spots here or there um but recognizing that we do need to put more effort and deliberation into those so the ad's were there every step of the way and i think if you if you had to voice a concern or a challenge it's 
just the bandwidth and the resources dedicated to some of these pipeline positions that we haven't perhaps been as broad on before. Right. And, and I, I think another question that I kind of have, and it, it falls right in line with that one, is because here in the Big 12, we've had some programming to, to offer mentorship to younger coaches or even GAs. And I, I would wonder, would you, do you have ideas or thoughts about creating those programs for younger coaches who may be in your system already, right? Uh, to, to create programs to help them to develop uh, to those positions. Yeah, and you know, like what you have going on with the coaches group and, you know, the NCAA has programming, the coaches association has programming. So I feel our opportunity is more about encouraging, maybe scholarshiping or sending our people to mm -hmm. pre-existing programs and mentorship because, you know, they're out there. Right. I, I do believe the, the education, the pipelines, they're out there, they exist. We just have to connect them to the opportunities, especially at those entry level, the assistant, you know, ADs, the assistant coach positions, um, because that's where you really get the chops to be considered for the head coaching positions and the, and the senior associates and the ADs. Okay. So now in, in my role here at Kansas State as an assistant head coach, um, my leader, my head coach, Chris Kleiman, is, is a phenomenal leader. And, and I always, he and I always discuss leadership. We, we discuss great leadership styles in our opinion. And then, and then we discuss what we would consider bad leadership. How would your peers, talking about you, how would your peers or coworkers describe your leadership style? Well, I'm only in my second year at, or beginning my third year at the West Coast Conference. So I think my style has been really defined by the needs of the organization. So I, I try to lead by example. I try to drive hard. Um, we have a lot to do. We have a lot of work in front of us. This Russell Rule is an example. You know, I rolled up my sleeves and got in there and I was really in the details of shopping it around. Um, however, I do love to mentor and grow that next tier of administrators. And so to the best that I can, I like to empower them and have them make decisions. I reserve the right to question them, but I, you know, forgiving if they did all the right things and make the wrong ones, you, you got to let them fly. Um, one of one administrator I worked with at a previous job, she described my style as I'll throw you into the ocean. If you need a life preserver, I've got one. <laughs> Yeah, I might right. check, look over the rail and see how you're doing once in a while, but otherwise we're swimming. <laughs> right, right. Which, which is a, a great style in my opinion. So it wouldn't be 2020. It wouldn't be a discussion without talking about COVID. Uh, but, but, but I wonder how has COVID, the challenges of COVID, made you better? I, I think all of us are rethinking our work styles for one, I don't know if you saw, but as a league, we announced the uh, expiration of our lease and we let our brick and mortar shop go. So we are full virtual, um, as cost savings, but also it's just been really unique and kind of fun to see how well we're working in this environment. Um, I, I think that's put an even higher emphasis on culture and making sure we stay connected 
and doing fun things on Zoom to kind of not always make it about, you know, just getting things done, but to encourage people to get to know each other. We've got two employees, one that only spent seven days with the staff in person and another that's never met the staff in person at all. <laughs> that's where we are. Yeah, and just, I think my goal is to come back to a, you know, in-person shop, but I think our work from home policies and our flexibility there are gonna look very, very different when we come out of this. Yeah, I, so you make me think back to, the, to, to when this all came about and how we as coaches, we had to have position meetings on Zoom and there's no coach in the history of the world who could ever think, who would ever think that he would have a position meeting where he couldn't touch his players, where he couldn't see his players, where he couldn't be right there with them. But over the course of time, kind of like you, you've demonstrated over the course of time, you realize, you know what, this is not that bad. And, and, and honestly, there are challenges, there were challenges and there are challenges in culture, right? You, you have to make sure that you are doing the things to continually drive the culture uh, as you are sitting many miles away from one another. Um, and, well, and remember before COVID, if we had a video conference, you'd check in and you turn off your camera. Now, yeah, it's, hey, yeah. why don't you have your camera on down there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yes. Well, I mean, because you, the, the camera was not, you didn't want to be, you wanted to be in your own world. And now, you know, because of Zoom, which I, I, I really, I've said to a lot of people, you know, this has opened up our world. Even, even though we look at it like it has shut things down, it has opened the world up. We, we had a coaches symposium uh, over Zoom, and we got many more people to participate than we would have had, had it been a live function, right? Yeah. And I get emails nightly from coaches who are, a lot of them not playing this season, but coaches who are having clinics via Zoom. And so it's like, okay, well, we could never do this live. We could never get together and, and get on the whiteboard and, and draw plays, but we can do it nightly on Zoom. Well, I, I really appreciate your time. I appreciate what you're doing, what you and the West Coast Conference is doing. Uh, I, I hope that your colleagues across the country buy in and they learn from what you guys are doing because I, I think that it's, like I said earlier, it's, it, our country is in a, in a, our society, our sports society is in a place where we, we, are, we are making steps in the right direction and you guys are, are leading the way. And so I, I couldn't be more proud to have the opportunity to share with you. And uh, I'm definitely a fan of the West Coast Conference. Uh, and, and a fan of yours uh, from now on. And uh, I, you know. for having me on and for giving us a platform to talk about this. I mean, it's just another piece of all the good work that you and other coaches are doing. And I just, I open door for anybody who wants information on our policy or how we got it passed. Uh, you know, there's, we, we hope it gets legs and, and, you know, gets adopted by others. Thank you. I had, a, uh, I had a conversation with, well, I, I say I have a conversation. Sam Sachs is one of my friends. 
Yeah, I just talked to him the other week. Yep. Yeah, and that's what he said. He said he had an opportunity to talk with you. Uh, so I'm sure that your phone battery was fully charged because Sam, he, he can go. And, uh, you know, again, he's a, he's a, a person who is fighting for uh, things to be different in our world. And uh, I'm, I'm excited about, you know, what he's doing as well. Well, his work in Oregon, the state of Oregon and the rule they passed, we had that on the table and we, you know, looked at a lot of data. And of course, we have University of Portland up in that market, so they could talk right. about great impact that policies had. So, you know, all of these things are just as much about hard work, but also a little bit of good luck and timing. And I think we had all of that aligned. All right. Well, if there's anything I can ever do to help, definitely uh, uh, let me know. I'm so excited to be connected to you. And like I said, I'll be following moving forward. Thank you, Van. You stay safe. Have a great weekend. Thank you. You too.